If uh, the, the aliens like manufactured you to be uh, a nah. mixed martial arts fighter, they're like, let's see if we can just turn. This I'm sure. Into I would, a bad it, I'm sure if it would have happened, I would have been much better than than, than this. Much know? better than this. You're the fucking champion. What are yeah, you talking but about? if I would be alien manufacturer, I would be a <laughs> Superman. You know. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious being tuning into the podcast. I welcome you to episode 41 of Martian Mixed Martial Arts. This week, we will be recapping the UFC Buenos Aires Argentina card that went down this past weekend and previewing the UFC Fight Night 141 Curtis Blades versus Francis Ngannou happening in Beijing, China this Saturday morning. Just a quick disclaimer, uh, I did not have enough time this week to study this card as as in-depthly as I would have liked. I have a good idea about uh, the majority of the fighters on the card, but I, I will admit there's about six fighters on the card, which I have not gotten the chance to do some tape on, so I'm kind of just going to wiki-cap them this week. Uh, I'm definitely not going to have as much you know in-depth uh, analysis and prediction as I do the other weeks um, for a few reasons. You know, this card is at starts at 3.15 a.m. on Saturday morning. I'm not going to be waking up to watch this card that early. Even the main card starts at 6.30 a.m., so I don't even think I'll wake up that early to, you know, watch the main card and try to get some live bets in. I think I'll just watch the card when I wake up, uh, you know, the morning of, maybe try to avoid the social media just to watch, to get the results in live time, too. But, uh, you know, there's there's no shame in missing a few UFC cards a year, you know, especially when they're at this time of the night. When uh when I've missed a few of them uh when there I had things to do on Saturday night, but I feel no shame about this one missing it around three in the morning, uh my time. But uh, congratulations to all you Europeaners and uh you know people around the world who actually get to watch a a fight card at normal time. That's good good for you. I guess it would start around. Uh, 9.15 a.m. for most Europeaners, and uh, the main car would actually start around noon, so it's a lot better for you guys who usually watch the fights around uh, in the middle of the night, like I would have to this time, but I don't have that, uh, I don't have that resiliency to stay up all night to watch these fights. So starting off recapping the UFC Argentina card that happened this past weekend, uh, honestly, pretty good card. It, uh, it, it looked a little lackluster, um, you know, on paper, and it also looks pretty lackluster starting the, the evening off. Started the evening off with uh, four straight decisions. So um, Nathan and Armani defeated Anderson Dos Santos with a decision that was a uh, very, very predictable outcome to this fight. Uh, Dos Santos just not looking too uh, tenacious in there. Nandan Nirmani is looking pretty sharp as usual. Uh, in the next fight, we had uh, Jesus Pinedo defeat Devin Powell in a decision. Didn't expect this one to go to the cards, but it did. Uh, Pinedo looked a little, little um, also lacking tenacity. He was able to take Powell down, catch a bunch of his kicks, and 
you know, kick his legs pretty hard in this one, but he just unfortunately didn't uh, didn't chase that finish too well, and I was looking for a safe and secure win in this first UFC fight, and, you know, no shame there. He beat a, a tough guy in Devin Powell. He probably could have gassed himself out if he tried to knock him out too because Devin Powell's really tough. So, you know, uh, Pineda looks pretty good, though, for sure. Um, next fight, also uh, a, f- uh, a fighter looking very good, is Larianu Steropoli defeating Hector Aladana by decision. Uh, Steropoli looked, like, terrible on tape. People were making fun of him for how awkward and unskilled he looked coming into this fight. Uh, almost everybody and their mom was betting on Hector Aldana in this one. He opened as, like, a 2-1 to one underdog and was close as the favorite. So, huge line movement coming in Aldana, and Aldana just looked terrible, you know. The first round of this fight was an absolute banger. These guys were swinging like crazy, um... And uh, luckily, I was able to hit, uh, I think, a live bet. I think I think so. Uh, I think I hit a live bet. Yeah, yeah, this is the first fight on the uh, on the Fox Sports 1 prelims, luckily. So I did live bet the, the, the fight goes the distance. Because I, uh, I knew that these guys weren't going to keep that, keep that pace up. They were going to tire out big time after that big first round. They both probably threw like 70 or 80 punches in that first round. So... They both did, you know, slow down significantly, but Sarah Polo looking pretty much unrecognizable from uh, pre-fight tape and looked much, much improved. So props to him and uh, Aldana, man. That dude sucks. I uh, can't believe a, a lot of us bet on him. Um, next fight, Austin Arnett defeated Humberto Bande. Speaking of fighters who suck, Bande, man. Holy shit. We've, we uh, we had two fights in the UFC uh, leading up to this one. Both of them ended in like 30 seconds, losing one and um, winning one. So a lot of people, you know, thought that, that this fight was going to go exactly the same. But shit, man, uh, Humberto Bande being a minus 250 favorite is just embarrassing after this fight, man. He looked terrible. He gassed out after one round. Austin Arnett dug deep. He got that victory in the latter rounds, pulled off the decision. Uh, you know, not the most exciting fight, but like I said, Arnett did dig deep and uh, come out with the win in this one. So congrats to him. And his uh, he looked pretty improved, too. I believe that was his first UFC win. Um, next fight, we had Alexandre Pantoja defeat Oka Sasaki. Oka Sasaki is like a live-by or die-by rear naked choke guy. He either wins by rear naked choke or loses by it. And tonight, he lost by, or Saturday night, he lost by it. Alexandre Pantoja is just, uh, you know, quickly becoming one of the best, uh, you know, well, flyweight is kind of obsolete now, but... He's, he's a very, very high-level uh, competitor. He's I'm sure he'll have a massive success at 135 when he chooses to move up. Uh, he's got, you know, crisp striking, great ground game, good subs. So, you know, for sure Pantoja is going to be a guy to look out for uh, at Bantamweight. Next fight, we have Michel Pizarris uh, blasted Bartos Fabinski with and uh, guillotined him in one minute into the first round. Pizarro just bombed Fabianski with a massive right hand, put him on his ass, and then went for a, a very tight guillotine choke and got the finish. Man, uh, a lot of people were um, expecting Fabianski to win this one. There was some pretty steep live movement, you know, bringing him down from, like, plus 260 to plus 130. Uh, you know, I hopped in on him a little bit, but was uh, ultimately disappointed by this one. But, man, the tractor, man, this dude's, like, 38 years old. He's on an eight-fight win streak. He's an absolute fucking tank. So, respect to that dude. He uh, he shows up every time, and, you know, 
he ended up getting down to minus 150. So a lot of people were jumping in on that 2-1 to one on Fabianski, but then there was so much line movement that Pizarro ended up getting a good price on him too. So if anybody hopped in on that price, you know, the day of, the day before on Pizarro, congrats to you getting a really good price on him. Um, next fight, uh, another example of, uh, I think there was a little bit of, a little bit of circle jerk on this, uh, on this card, which I mean by when someone watches an underdog and they, they pick that underdog like Fabianski or Hector Aldana or Poliana Bothello, everyone was talking about these, these three all week. Everyone was betting on them. Uh, you know, they're only, only some pretty, pretty, uh, sharp individuals were going against the grain in this one and betting on, you know, Calvillo, Pizarris or uh, Steripoli, because, uh, you know, like I said, there's a lot of discussion amongst people betting on these three underdogs, but, uh, you know, Bothello shit the bed, just like the Fabianski and Aldana did, uh, Calvillo came out looking great, you know, was taking, uh, Bothello down, beating her up on the ground, ended up cinching up a, a, a pretty nasty bulldog choke in this one, a lot of submissions in this one, I want to say four, four, yeah, that's pretty good, um, three knockouts four submissions four decisions so a little a little bit of everything on this card and um so calvillo just looking really great coming off of her suspension and everything she's back and even though she missed weight she looked good so who the hell knows what she's gonna do with her 115 125 obviously she had to fly down to argentina there's a lot of variables in play and uh, hopefully she can make 115 again in her next fight uh, next fight we had marlon vera defeat guido canetti by rune kachoke in the second round, Guido Canetti came out in this one looking good, man. He hurt Marlon Vera in the first round. He won the first round. Uh, you know, uh, I think Vera opened like minus 125 after the second round. So the odds makers didn't realize that Canetti, you know, didn't have this win in the bag yet. I thought this one was going to go to the decision. I thought Canetti was going to win it. So I lost a little bit on the live betting in this one. Uh, and Marlon Vera ultimately put Guido Canetti away. He was landing some fucking vicious knees, man. I was screaming my, my lungs out at these knees. He was grabbing the back of the head and just leading his head right into his knee. Um, just dirty, dirty tie clinch from Marlon Vera. Ended up uh, dropping Canetti, and then uh, Marlon Vera went for the choke and ended up finishing him that way. Uh, so really good uh, comeback from Marlon Vera. He, you know, he starts really, really slow in all of his fights, but he he came back in this one really strong and got the finish. So, uh, you know, Guido Canetti would have been great to see him get a win in his home uh, country of Argentina, but unfortunately that didn't really pan out. And you know, eight and four, uh, thirty eight years old at at bantamweight, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to see Canetti getting any more wins uh, in the UFC after this. Next fight, uh, we had Ian Heinish defeat Cesar Freira in a decision. Ian Heinish making his UFC debut in this one. Cesar Freira was the favorite in this one. He uh, looked, you know, pretty lackluster from the jump. Uh, maybe he won the first round, but I think that Ian Hein he got some takedowns in in the first round. I oh no, Ian Heinish was going for submissions in the first round. Man, Ian Heinish was attempting his best submission attempts at Cesar Freira, world class uh, black belt. He was going for an arm bar. He was going for uh, all types of stuff, man. And, and you know, they, they didn't look that close. They didn't look that, you know, pathetic. It looked like he had his arm for a little bit. Fierro was definitely too complacent in there. It was, you know, 
Heinish was fucking game, man. I, I like this dude a lot. Not only did he try to s submit him in round one, he that was the closest round out of all of them. I, he took over this fight in the latter rounds. I believe he won rounds two and three. Uh, you know, he was a huge live dog in this one. I won on him, and I think the decision as well. So, you know, uh, super uh, super high on Ian Heinish right now. He, uh, he really dug deep and got that victory. He came in on short notice against a proven UFC guy. And, uh, you know, got his first win in a pretty uh, hard-fought decision. So, I, I'm a big fan of Ian Heinish right now. Uh, next next fight, another big fan of this guy, Johnny Walker, defeating Khalil Roundtree by elbow knockout uh, two minutes into the first round. Man, Johnny Walker just uh, coming out here looking confident as fuck, man. He, he you know, took a leg, trick, uh, a leg kick from Roundtree and, like, rubbed his leg and, you know, mocked Roundtree for how soft that was. And... Man, after I saw that, I should, uh, you know, sometimes sometimes guys showboat out of insecurity, but this guy was showboating out of full confidence, man. He knew he had this one. Uh, he was a little bit of an underdog coming into this one. Uh, there was money coming in on him all week. He, he opened up as a pretty big underdog and closed as a moderate underdog. So uh, Johnny Walker just getting that clinch, man, and landing knees and elbows and just massive, massive elbows to put Khalil Roundtree out, man. Uh, just a very, very impressive knockout. Uh, and you know, like I said, that you know, he's in a, he's in there who against a guy who just flatlined a world kickboxing champion. You know, he's out there with a guy who has got more or no, not more MMA experience than him, a lot more UFC experience than him. And he just went in there and smoked him like uh like nothing. So Johnny Walker, man, is something to look out for at UFC two at the two hundred five pound division. Next fight, Ricardo Lamas put a beat down on Darren Elkins. Man, this fight, man, uh, you know, some Darren Elkins fights are hard to watch. And, um, you know, he did have a few comebacks in a few of them, like the Michael Johnson and Merside Bectic, where he was absolutely getting his ass handed to him and came back and won those two fights. But, man, this one was, was pretty brutal to watch. Luckily, Keith Peterson had a little bit of mercy and stopped this fight around 14 minutes into it. Uh you know, a lot of referees would have let that keep going, knowing who Darren Elkins was and knowing how he's tough as shit. And he probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have stopped moving after any of these shots. But, man, he was eating some absolutely massive punches from Ricardo Lamas on the ground and pound. Ricardo Lamas just looked fucking sharp in this one, man. He was landing head kicks. His wrestling was on point. His level changes were good. His control on the ground, his ground and pound, his striking, everything, man. It looked like, uh, like you know, the world, the world champion contender Lamas that we've seen before. And it also came out that he uh, he developed a blood clot in his leg for from sitting so long on the flight to Argentina. So there was actually, you know, he has a, a lot in jeopardy in this one possibly you know injuring himself getting a blood clot in his leg who even knows what that would have resulted in if it if it uh you know actually got worse in the fight but he didn't give a fuck about any of that and just came out there and kicked some ass so you know ricardo lamas uh props to him man just great great performance uh he somehow closes like a, a you know a moderate favorite in this one minus 160 i think so anybody who hopped in on that price congrats to you i think i got a little bit of ricardo uh to inside the distance i was also on his decision so wasn't really too pleased it didn't go to the decision but oh well still won a little bit on his uh, inside the distance and the next fight we had in the main event santiago ponzinibbio defeating neil magni by tko or in the fourth round uh just a totally outclassing performance in this one from santiago ponzinibbio you know from the jump he was landing stinging jabs or like you know it looked like he crushed magni's orbital bone in the first like minute of the fight uh, magni was holding his eye he was 
blasting him with leg kicks, and Neil Magny could barely walk. And then after 15, 17 minutes of just straight punishment with jabs and leg kicks, uh, eventually Ponzinibbio landed a huge bomb, and uh, Roth Magny, and Magny's legs just gave out from under him, had nothing left in him, and he face-planted on the canvas, and that was enough to get the stoppage. Uh, he probably, probably could have piled a combination together on much, much earlier into the fight and finished it, just maybe three leg kicks in a row or something like that. Um, you know, he wouldn't have been able to stand up. Herb Dean, man, just, I don't understand the stoppage in this one, man. He, this dude was just getting chewed the fuck up, man. His, he was holding his eye when he was getting punched. His, his legs were getting kicked out from underneath them. He was struggling to get back from his feet, man. Neil Magny's had a few comebacks in his time, but man, this was this was again a pretty brutal stoppage. He took way too much punishment in this one. I wouldn't have mind seeing that one stopped a lot earlier. But Ponzinibbio, regardless, looking pretty pretty legit. I mean, I've I, some people were saying, man, Santiago Ponzinibbio is legit. I'm like, did you not fucking know that when he beat you know uh, Mike Perry and like when he's on he's on like a six fight win streak, seven fight win streak. He's beaten you know tons of good guys at 170. They're like, man. He's legit. Like, dude, no shit. He's, you know, four knockouts, three decisions, and a seven-fight win streak in the past three years. So, Ponzinibbio, looked like to see him get a uh, uh, top-five opponent next. You know, uh, that's, I don't know who I'm thinking of. at that. Maybe the winner of Usman and RDA. Uh, if RDA wins that, I don't know. Usman might might jump up a little bit. Yeah, I think Usman and Ponzinibbio were supposed to fight uh, back in Chile, I think, earlier this year, but uh, Ponzinibbio got hurt, so I wouldn't mind seeing that fight rebooked. But uh, that being said, like I said, really great card. It uh, it was it was five, four decisions in a row, then four subs in a row, and then three knock or four knockouts in a row. I think maybe maybe one decision was thrown in there. Let me check this again. Um, but yeah, like I said, just a little bit of everything in this fight night. I uh, really really liked it. Um, it had a yeah. So we uh. Four decisions, four subs, one decision, three knockouts. So, uh, yeah, so, like, like I said, it was a. Uh, I've never seen a card like that broken down in a, into decisions, subs, and knockouts. But uh, that's enough for this card. We're going to be transitioning to the UFC Beijing China event. Uh, like I said, another disclaimer I, I have not gotten the, enough time to study the fights in this one. Uh, I only have a you know a loose a loose idea of a, a lot of these fighters. Not I know a decent amount about a lot of the fighters, but I definitely don't know uh, much about uh, a good a good five or six fighters on this card. So I will not have as much in depth analysis and prediction for this one. So uh, don't take me at my word. Uh, for a lot of these ones, usually I will, I would like to study every fighter who I don't know on the card and make a more. Uh, accurate prediction but like i said i just didn't have time with it being in a being a, a holiday in america this week and uh, man i'm telling you I, I watch a lot of my my tape while i'm in school while i'm in, sitting in college doing nothing uh you know li listening to lectures i'll just throw fights on but i wasn't in school this week so didn't have time to uh tape the fights and lacked a little bit of motivation considering i wasn't gonna uh watch this one live so just being honest about that one we're gonna start things off in the 135 pound division uh Luis Smolka coming back to the UFC who is fit 14 5 14 and 5 taking on Sumajeri Sumajeri fighting out of China who is 11 and 3 so Luis Smolka opened up in this one as a minus 365 favorite holy shit Sumajeri plus 265 and now Luis Smolka is minus 200 Sumajeri is plus 170 so 
Sumajari is one of the guys who I have not uh, gotten a chance to tape that much. Um, he's a Chinese fighter, and Luis Smoko was brought in on short notice to come back in this one. But just a quick glance, Sumajari's you know recent opponents are, are are bad, man. They're like they're he's they're fighting their first fight, or they have two th two fights, three fights, four fights, and. Um, you know he's lost to a couple. He's lost to a guy with four and zero record, with eleven and four record, eleven and ten record. So not really looking too good, having a couple losses in this in this low level competition that he's fought. But uh, he looks like a can crusher, you know, and uh, he's fighting a pretty legit testament guy in uh, Luis Smolka. Luis Smolka has got some uh, you know pretty good uh, finishing power. He's got good good chokes. He's even got a little bit of power on the feet for being a flyweight. He uh he's been in the UFC a lot before. He was uh at one point five and one in the UFC, but then went on a four fight losing streak, lost four in a row, and then was cut after he went five and five. But fighting in the highest level competition, Marino, uh, Borg, Tim Elliott, and Matt and Mateus Nicolau. He also had a I believe he was an alcoholic while he was in the UFC last time. Really struggled with that. So he uh, got cut and he won uh, three fights uh, by finish and now he's back in the UFC on short notice so I think this is going to be a good spot for Luis Smolka to get come back and get a win but uh, interesting enough you know it, this just is just fucking frustrating Jared Brooks pointed the same thing out on Twitter he's a flyweight a very legitimate flyweight he was two and two in the UFC won his most recent fight and he said what the hell are you bringing this bum back in the UFC for you know uh, like, I'm better than this guy, I would beat this guy, I was, I was cut from flyweight, not given a chance to fight at 135, and just because they needed a short notice guy, they call up Smolka and bring him back, even though he really doesn't deserve it, I agree 100%, man, there's, there's no justification for having him back in the UFC after winning three regional fights over low-level competition, while you just cut 10 fucking dudes who deserve to be on the roster, so, really disappointing decision from the UFC there. Moving on to the next fight, we have John Phillips, who is 21 and 7, taking on Kevin Holland, who is 13 and 4. This fight is going down in the middleweight division. We have this one open up. Kevin Holland open up as minus 270. John Phillips plus 190. Uh, right now, Kevin Holland is somehow a minus 465 favorite. John Phillips up to plus, plus 370. You, man, if I see this opening line, I say, oh, Kevin Holland minus 270 seems about right. Not gonna bet him. Because I can never trust this guy at anything more than 270. Quite frankly, I wouldn't trust him at anything more than minus 200. But some crazy motherfuckers out there are betting Kevin Holland all the way down to minus 465. I don't get it, man. This guy is this guy's own one in the UFC. He didn't really earn a UFC contract, according to Dana White. He he was brought brought in on short notice. He looked, you know, decent in the in the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender series. He he had some pretty good striking in that fight, but nothing uh nothing too crazy, you know. I actually, you know, got hit with a few punches from Will Santiago, who was a six to one underdog. And uh also he uh he's got he has a few losses on his record, you know. Uh his ground game is, you know, relatively unknown. He was taken down against uh Thiago Santos luckily has some good ground and pound defense. John Phillips is not much of a submission threat. He's more of a knockout type of guy. So I think this fight does favor Holland because he will be the more technical striker in there. But John Phillips, you know, throws with some power. He's got like nineteen like eighteen or nineteen knockouts out of his twenty one wins. He struggled in the UFC so far, losing his last fight to Charles Burr, was just taken down, controlled and choked in that one. He had absolutely no offense in that one and looked 
Um, you know, his sub defense didn't look that great either. Didn't look like he had much tenacity to get back to the feet. So, uh, Kevin Holland, I'll expect this one to be contested on the feet and Kevin Holland win a decision, you know, playing a safe, not catching any bombs from John Phillips. A lot of people thinking Kevin Holland can finish this one, but man, he doesn't really have the t like knockout power over uh, over high level guys. I think honestly, you know, he has a, a lot of wins or a few wins by decision. I mean, he does have a lot of regional knockouts. Oh, regional knockouts over Jeff Neal. That one's pretty impressive. I think I remember watching that fight. Um, yeah, round three, but you know that fight was a pretty grueling, grueling fight. Uh, so I don't think that necessarily that uh, this one will be a finish, but uh, I would definitely would have to favor Kevin Holland. Um, next fight in the women's 115 strawweight division, we have Zion Yan taking on Siri Kondo. Uh, Yan is 9-1, Kondo is 6-1. Looking over at bestfightodds.com, uh, Zion opened up minus 215, Kondo plus 165. This is an instance when I can see where you're going to bet the favorite a little more. Minus 215 wasn't really, wasn't really steep enough for Yan in this one. I really imagine that she will have an easy time winning this one. Uh, she's picked up two wins in the UFC so far, beating Kaylin Curran and Viviana Pereira. Uh, two, you know, legitimate contenders. Viviana Pereira was, you know, 13-1 and one when they fought, too. So, uh, Zion is, is uh, certainly legit. She's got a good amount of power and... Uh, Really good, uh, really good aggression from her too. You know, there's a few few Chinese women on this card who really fucking bring it. I think she even brings it more than Zhang does, who is also a very uh, good pressure forward fighter. But Kondo, man, she's just awkward. She's really awkward. I think she was, comes from like a karate background, and um, her last fight she just got absolutely blasted by Poliana Botello uh, and knocked out with a body kick 30 seconds into the fight. She does have one win over Chi Mis Jun in her last in her UFC fight before that, but she's fought very low level competition and you know has some wins over them. And uh, you know she's a regional girl, Japanese girl, but I really think that uh, Yan, the Chinese uh, fighter, is going to have a pretty nice, comfortable decision in this one, which is why uh, people bet her down to minus four fifty, and Kondo is up to plus three sixty in this one. So. Uh, expecting a pretty one-sided performance from uh, Yan Zaiwan there. And uh, sorry, Miss Zaiwan, I know you're listening right now, and I know my pronunciation is not on on point, so uh, I'll make it up to you a, a different way. Um, next fight in the bantamweight division, we have Pingwan Liu, who is 14-4, taking on Martin Day, who is 9-2. The betting lines for this one opened up. Pingyong Liu opened up minus 285. Martin Day at plus 205. Line margins have tightened up a little bit with uh, Pingyong at minus 230. And Martin Day at plus 190. Uh, Martin Day is making his UFC debut in this one. Um, I feel like he was on the Ultimate Fighter, but uh, I do not see any... any uh, mention of that on his tapology page so i guess he wasn't uh he has uh, most most wins of his wins are over very low level competition guys with no wins or you know a few fights one and four so that's you know never never a good thing to see pinyong lee is a you know pretty well established guy in the ufc i believe he only has one fight but he looked pretty good in his fight against damian stasiak won a decision in that one uh, striking looked pretty crisp. It's another guy. A lot of his wins were over low-level competition, and I was kind of, you know, fading him last fight, thinking State Jack would win this one. 
but uh, you know he he looked very very improved. Uh, it did take about a year off in between his last fight um, and uh, his. Uh, I'm telling you, man, he improved a lot in that one. So don't really have a, f a full grasp of Martin Day in this one, uh, so I can't I can't call it too uh, too accurately. But I would have uh, Ping Young as the favorite, just considering that this guy is not for all level comp or high level competition. He is, uh, you know, American uh, coming over to China. He, uh, you know, one thing you gotta you gotta think about is this guy has never fought in the UFC before. He's got to be pretty restricted uh, financially in terms of getting a good coach, uh, getting flying his coach to China, flying out early so he doesn't have jet lag. You know, the UFC probably just gives you tickets for two tickets for uh, seven days before the event. But if you really want to get out there and get adjusted to, uh, you know, however many, the 14-hour flight or get adjusted to the air in Beijing or whatnot, you know, you're going to have to be taking that money out of your own pocket, which I doubt this guy can afford to do. So you got you to gotta favor the Chinese fighter in his hometown, the guy who has a little bit of UFC, UFC experience and is uh looking pretty good so i would expect uh ping young to get the the win in this one but i ha have not studied it much on martin day to be confident in this one uh next fight in the women's strawweight division we have jessica aguilar who is 20 and 6 taking on willie zhang who is 17 and 1 betting lines for this one opened up at willie zhang at minus 175 and Jessica Aguilar at plus 135. Uh, a lot of money have been, has been coming on on Zhang to minus 470. Jessica Aguilar to plus 375. So massive money coming in on Zhang. Uh, she did have a little bit of an underwhelming performance in her UFC debut, I believe. You know, that fight against Danielle Taylor, we expected her to be a little more dominant than she was. But I think that uh, she kind of, she didn't really push the pace as much as she did in her previous fights in that one. You know, her previous, um, uh, you know, out of her 17 wins, she only has, uh, let's see, uh, two wins by decision. So, you know, uh, 16 finishes coming in, or 15 finishes coming into that one, or whatever. And uh, she did not get the finish in her UFC debut like a lot of us were expecting. But she still did look, you know, good in that one. Her striking, her output looked on point. And, uh, you know, Jessica Aguilar is... Uh, has struggled a bit in the UFC. You know, she was a, a one, I believe, a one of one of five pounder in uh, in Invicta. No, I'm thinking of a different girl. I don't know who the hell I'm thinking of. Uh, no, she was one of five. She definitely was one of five at one point. Um, she's you know five three, sixty three inch rent reach. She kind of struggles even with the hundred and fifteen pound girls. She also hasn't fought too easy competition at all. Claudia Gadelia, Courtney Casey, both massive straw weights. And uh, picking up a win in her last fight over Jody Escobio, um, you know, not the not the highest level opponent in this one. So, um, unfortunately, the, the cards are stacked up against uh, Jag in this one. I think Zhang was uh, pretty favored to get the win in this one in her home country. And um, I expect this one to probably go to the cards and uh, Zhang to uh, win uh, decisively. So... Next fight in the late heavyweight division, we have Rashad Coulter, who is eight and four, taking on Yao Tsung Hu, who is three and one. Rashad Coulter opened up in this one as the minus two forty five favorite to Hugh Zhaozhong at plus one seventy five. Now a lot of money has come in on uh, Zhaozhong, uh, considering that a lot of people just don't trust Rashad Coulter as a favorite at all. He's gotten, you know, probably one of the worst cardio in the UFC. He's dropping down to 
uh, light heavyweight in this one. Hopefully, maybe that improves his cardio a little bit. But he's 0-3 in the UFC so far. He's gotten finished in all three fights. You know, by Chase Sherman of all people and Chris De La Rocha of all people. You know, just low, low level. Um, he got absolutely blasted by Chris Chris De La Rocha in his last fight too. Um, so you know this, uh, but then his opponent Yao Tsung who also, you know, only four fights in the UFC. You know, he two of his wins are over guys with you know, zero wins, you know, he doesn't have a win over a guy with a winning record, and he also lost to Cyril Asker in his first fight, who is just, again, bottom of the barrel uh, skill level in the UFC as far as he gets, so, you know, I've seen a lot of people talking about this fight, uh, you know, arguing, you know, who's gonna gas first, and who's, who sucks more, dude, if they both suck, just watch, just watch in awe, just watch these guys swing it out and go down quick, don't don't feel the need to bet. I've seen so many motherfuckers betting on this fight, you know, talking back and forth about who's gonna go down first and who sucks worse and whose gas tank sucks worse. It's like how about you just take the fight off and and just watch these two bums battle it out? No, no, no. I gotta I gotta throw the bankroll on uh, one of these guys, right? But um, you know, that's where, I don't know. That's where I differ from some people. Um, so next one we're going on. Uh, we have Yana. Yana on, I don't even know, Yana on Wu taking on Lauren Mueller. Lauren Mueller is 5-0 in this one. Yana on Wu is 8-2. Um, now, unlike the other matchups, the, the Chinese fighter is a massive underdog in this one. Lauren Mueller opened up minus 380. Uh, Wu at plus 260. Lauren Mueller is up to minus 410. Wu up to plus 330. So even, even more action coming in on Mueller in this one. Uh, I, I get it, man. Mueller is looking is looking really good in the UFC so far. Uh, like I said, she's uh, coming off of, uh, I believe, the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, and uh, she also has wins over uh, Shayna Dobbs. Oh, no, she came off of a Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series. That's right. Wins over um, this Kelly Velasco in the Tuesday Night Contender Series and Shayna Dobbs in, in uh, the... Uh, in her first UFC fight, she's got, you know, good boxing, good head movement. Uh, she's, uh, you know, looking pretty sharp on the feet so far. But, you know, trusting her at minus 400, man, I don't know. Again, two, three of her wins are over girls with no pro fights. No pro fights. Gladiator Challenge is a massive, massive red flag. That promotion is just a complete sheep promotion. Um, so... I expect uh, I expect uh, Lauren Mueller to get the win in this one. Uh, uh, although, like I said, not mu- I do not know much about uh, Miss Miss Wu in this one. Uh, uh, again, man, holy shit! I've never seen a, f- a fight card this much with wins with fighters with wins over no fights. Man, she had four, six of her wins. Wait, maybe even more than that. Seven of her wins are over fighters with no professional wins. That's terrible, man. She's lost to Yana Kunitskaya and Gina Manze, the two only women with uh, a little bit of experience in this one. So uh, any experience on the side of uh, her opponent doesn't seem to fare too well for her. So I imagine Mueller would get the win in this one. Next fight we have in the welterweight division, Alex Morono, who is 14-5, taking on Keenan Song, who is 14-4. Alex Morono opened up as the plus-145 underdog in this one to Keenan Song at minus-185. The betting line currently stands at Alex Morono, minus-110, Keenan Song, minus-110. So pick them fight now. A lot of money coming in on Alex Marino. 
Uh, I I think it's uh, justified, man. This this one is really uh, a pick'em. It's it's going to be close. We've seen Keenan Song, uh, you know, pick up two wins in the UFC so far, uh, but to both two knockouts over you know pretty legitimate guys with with decent chins too. Bobby Nash and Hector Aldana. Uh, we just saw Hector Aldana eat some massive massive shots in this last fight and didn't go down. So, you know that's uh, that shows Keenan Song's uh, striking is even better. He, uh, you know, has a little bit better uh, wins over regional competition than some of the other uh, Chinese fighters on this card. So that's good to see as, as well. But, you know, Morono has a lot more UFC experience. He can really grind fights out. He's got a good pace, good cardio, is able to, you know, level change a lot. Um, you know, his chin is not the best. He has uh, gotten knocked out by Nico Price, but I believe that's his only knockout loss. No, it's not. Uh... Diego Henrique also knocked him out in the uh, in 2014, but uh, you know his chin is pretty good. His last win was over Josh Berkman, not the greatest win. He hasn't really picked up a win over an active UFC fighter in a in a long, long time. I don't know if he, yeah, I don't think he has a win over an active UFC fighter. So. Uh, that's why maybe the betting line opened up a little wide for this one. But, man, I think that despite that, I think Moreno will still bring it and have a pretty grinding type fight. So I don't really have a clear prediction on this one, but all I know is it's going it's to be a close decision. Moving on to the main card in this one. Four main card fights, starting off with the leech, Lee Jingalang, who is 15-5, taking on David Zawada, who is 16-4. The betting line for this one opened up Lee Jingaling as the minus 215 favorite to David Zawada as the plus 165 underdog. And now uh, now a little bit of money coming in on Zawada in this one. Uh, Jingaling is down to minus 185. Zawada up to plus 160. So a little bit of line movement coming in Zawada's way. Uh, I, I don't disagree with it. I mean, he is a very competent striker, but, I mean, Lee Jangalang is just polished, man. He's he's good. He's a winner. He's, uh you know, 15-5, 5-1 in his last six fights. He's beaten, you know, good competition. Uh, Bobby Nash, Frank Camacho, Zach Otto, Daichi Abe. Uh, only slip-up coming to Jake Matthews in a, uh, in a really uh, improved-looking Jake Matthews, who was just taking him down in that fight. So Jingling's uh, weakness is going to be the, the ground game for sure, but Zawada, not really known for his ground game at all. He's a, a pretty unorthodox, powerful striker. He leaps in a lot and, uh, you know, throws pretty crazy combinations. He's got, you know, a lot of good experience in KSW, a lot of, a lot of good regional experience. Um, but he uh, came up a little bit short in uh, his uh, debut against Danny Roberts. He looked, you know, he looked deserving in there. He definitely looked like he deserves to be in the UFC. He hit Roberts with some good punches in that one, but ultimately came up a little bit short on the output. Um, aspect of things but i think jingalang will win a, a decision in this one maybe even uh clip zawada and knock him out uh, if zawada leaps in with a uh crazy uh, combination jingalang has got good counter punching he's got great leg kicks he's looked you know he's looking a lot more improved his you know he would just come out and throw bombs and look for the knockout uh in his past couple fights but in his most recent fight he looked really polished looked looked like he took his time and he picked his opponent part at range and got the decisional victory over Daichi Abe. So the pick is going to be Jingling to get this one. And man, at the price of 185, man, I almost kind of like Lee Jingling. So uh, if anybody has a play on him, I uh, don't disagree with it at all. I would be really shocked if Zawada beat him. Next fight in the Bantamweight division, we have Song Yadong, who is 13-4, taking on Vince Morales, who is 8-2. Song Yudong opened up as the minus 365 favorite. Vince Morales up to plus 255. And people are betting down Song Yudong to minus 
460, Vince Morales up to plus 365. So, uh, man, I don't know if I agree with this one. Uh, like I said, I haven't. I Vince Morales is one of the gentlemen who have not got the opportunity to study too much. Uh, Song Yudong does have two wins in the UFC so far, both wins by finish. Uh, he's looked, you know, he's looked good, man. He beaten Felipe Arantes, man. He looked really good in that fight. Um, and he does have a little bit better uh, regional experience, regional wins than uh, the most of the Chinese competition on the card. But uh, let's give uh, Vince Morales a look to see how uh, how he's looking. I really haven't looked over this guy much at all. He lost on the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series and then quick picked up a win in Bellator. And then he's now bringing, uh, brought back into the UFC for this one. So definitely short notice for him. Definitely like, hey man, I know we didn't sign you before, but... How, how would you like to fight in Beijing, man? 14-hour fight. There's smog in the air. You can't even wear You can't even breathe the air. And you're fighting, uh, you know, a prospect who is may or may not be 20 years old. Um, there's some heavy speculation over the age of uh, Song Yudong. So, uh, you know, not just looking at, like I said, wiki capping from this one, uh, Vince Morales has, you know, wins in, you know, wins in Bellator, wins over, you know, decent competition, but, uh, he's, I think he is fighting on someone who's a bit special in this one, Song Yudong, uh, it is, uh, his age has 20 on his, um, fighter profile but there's also there's some speculation that he's a little bit older than that but there's also some some speculation that he had to lie about his age in his first couple fights uh in order to fight he was you know fighting his first pro fight at 16 allegedly and they had to lie about his age so he could fight professionally but who the hell knows that's beside the point he looks super super powerful quick good striker good chokes as well too so I imagine that wherever the fight goes in this one, Song Yudong will be uh will be comfortable. Vince Morales will really have to you know rock him or make him uncomfortable on the ground to get a win in this one. Um, in the co-main event of the evening, we have Alistair Overeem, who is forty three and seventeen, taking on Sergey Polovich, who is twelve and zero. Alistair Overeem opened up as the minus one thirty five favorite in this one to Sergey Polovich as the underdog at minus one hundred five. Right away, Polovich was bet down to a pretty uh, pretty heavy favorite, surprisingly. Uh, let me see uh, he, what the highest he got was. Um, let's see, checking over. He got, man, yeah, he he went, he went shot up to plus 150 for a while, but then there's been some steady, steady action coming in on uh, Sergey Polovich. He's now down to minus 130. That's actually pretty, the steepest that his line has been right now. This, this is shocking, man. A guy coming in, making his UFC debut against one of the most established, experienced heavyweights of all time in Alistair Overeem. It's a, tall, it's a tough test to tackle, I can tell you that. He, uh, you know, he, I think uh, he's got a, he's, he trains out of um, the Dagestani Eagle, uh, uh, you know, Eagles MMA. He's fought in Fight Night Global. He's beaten really good competition over there. You know, they do not sugarcoat at all. They give you fucking killers in Fight Night's Global. And he's gone through all of them. Uh, he, uh, you know, he's got a little bit of power and he, uh, obviously has a great wrestling base to go back on. So I think people are relying on the wrestling base in this one. If he chooses to take this fight down to the ground, I think that he will have some success against Overeem. Obviously that's the blueprint to beat Overeem. Curtis Blades just did it and, you know, pounded his ass out with elbows, slicing him up in a, an absolutely brutal, brutal finish. So if Polovich tries to, uh, 
recreate that game plan, go with heavy takedowns and ground and pound, then I can see him picking up the window over Alistair in this one. But if he chooses to strike with Alistair in this one, I think Alistair will pick him apart and um, get the win in this one. So, like I said, on if it's on the feet, Overeem. If it goes to the ground, Polovic. Um, not, not too uh, in-depth analysis there. And in the main event, we have a rematch between Curtis Blades, who is 10-1, and, and Francis Ngannou, who is 11-3. Curtis Blades open up as the plus 115 underdog in this one. Man, that, that was a gift of a line. Francis Ngannou opened up at minus 155. Um, I would like to meet the odds maker who opened up that line because he must have been drunk as a skunk open up. Francis Ngannou as a favorite after his last fight, man. That's that's a bold, bold move, let me tell you. The line has since completely flipped. Uh, Curtis Blades is down to a minus 235 favorite. Francis Ngannou up to plus 195. You know, Francis Ngannou is obviously, you know, a, a terrifying striker, a terrifying power puncher, but he is, you know, there's, there's no doubt he's changed a little bit. Uh, he was, you know, he was ultra aggressive, ultra confident going into his fight with Stipe Miocic, where he was just totally, totally just outclassed in that one. He was out wrestled. He was just beaten, beaten, uh, decisively, let's say. And he's and also had his fight against Derek Lewis, where he looked more tentative than any fighter has ever in the UFC, arguably, and lost the decision in that one. He's just completely changed, uh, you know, his ego, his aggression, his confidence is, seems to be gone. On the other hand, Curtis Blades is picking up wins left and right. He beat Mark Hunt. He beat Alistair Overeem. He beat Alexi Olenek. Man, this dude is just fucking people up. Ever since his loss to Francis Ngannou, he has finished, um, let's see, Adam Milstead in no contest. He has finished three three out of his five wins. He beat Mark Hunt. He took Mark Hunt's biggest shot in that one and ate it for breakfast and took him down. And he, Like I said, he sliced Alistair Overeem up with some absolutely disgusting elbows. So... Uh, I think the this, the Curtis the, the two fighters have gone in completely different directions since their last fight. Obviously, Francis Ngannou uh, picked up a few more a few more wins after his uh, fight after their first fight, and then ultimately started his uh, descend uh, his fall from grace after the Stipe Miocic fight. But Blades has just got looked better and better and better. He's looked good on the feet. He's looked uh, you know absolutely killer with the takedowns. Uh, the only way that I can see Francis Ngannou winning this fight is if he sticks to his game plan of, you know, uh, striking southpaw. Um, he, uh, Curtis Blades had a lot of trouble taking him down in southpaw in their first fight. And, um, you know, just if that confidence is back for Ngannou, because if it's not, man, it's going to be hard for him to get a win over Curtis Blades in this one. So, uh, again, like I said, I didn't, unfortunately did not do too much in-depth analysis for this fight uh, card. So, uh, excuse myself for the uh, the lackluster analysis in this one. But I will be back next week um, for uh, UFC Fight Night. Oh, no, the tough, and it's a tough finale. Uh, next week so i'll be back for that card with uh hopefully some more uh better in-depth analysis for you guys and uh thank you for tuning in anyway this has been episode 41 of the martian mma podcast and ladies gentlemen boys girls aliens martians any conscious being thank you for tuning into the podcast happy thanksgiving to all my american folks and i will catch you guys next week peace